Hello, and welcome to Sounding Out with Izzy, the podcast where we have conversations with musicians, music producers, publicists, live promoters, zine makers, journalists, and more about their experiences working in the music industry as women, non-binary, and queer people. I'm your host, Isabel Corp the founder of the Queer Femme music-based blog and YouTube channel, A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Today, my guest is Alicia Walter, a prolific and astoundingly talented vocalist whose whimsical piano-based chamber pop whisks listeners into a state of ecstatic euphoria. Alicia and I had a wonderful time discussing her brand new album, Right Noise, her background of being constantly on the move, and finding her niche in the Chicago music scene as the lead singer of the art rock band Oshawa, before eventually making the big move to New York City. And without further ado, let's get right into this episode. Hello. Hello. I think this is actually going through the mic. Yes, it is. I can hear you loud and clear. I never do this, but I was like, this is a good opportunity to do this. Hi. Hi. I'm excited. Me too. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to do it. What are you drinking? Just LaCroix. Nice. Classic. What are you drinking? I literally can't tell because it's blurred out. (laughs) Oh, let me see. Let me do what all the influencers do. (laughs) <laughs> oh, vodka vodka mule wow it's, you got a fancy bevy it's a it's moscow mule in a can and it's literally like i mean for one can this is kind of yeah a lot of money inflation capitalism whatever but it's like 4.99 per can and for new york 4.99 is not bad good not I bad literally just last week the bodega by my house there's like a bodega that's like weed centric and like fancy snacks centric and a kombucha was over seven dollars and Yikes. I, I couldn't I was like at the counter and I had to be like no I'm not paying seven dollars for this it's too much it's crazy that should be like lunch right yeah and then you get lunch and it's like 25 dollars I know I know so this is a new thing I'm starting to do now um for archival purposes and one of my favorite podcasts washed up emo hosted Mm -hmm. by tom mullen does this at the beginning of every episode i thought it would be cool to start introducing each interview by asking guests if you could state your name where you are and what time it is hey this is alicia walter i am in bushwick brooklyn and it is 6 33 p.m Nailed it. (laughs) Look at us archiving like professional librarians. (laughs) So what what episode? Like, where are you at right now? Right now, this might be like my 60th episode. And I've only I've only been I've only been doing this for like a year. And I'm a production team of one. Like, I don't know how I've managed to keep doing this. You're averaging more than one a week. That's incredible. Well, I mean, no, it's it's one been a one a week and sometimes bi-weekly. That's pretty amazing, though. But yeah. Wow. 
I love content. <laughs> Just keep <laughs> pumping out the content. <laughs> no, it's awesome. I'm so, I love how we met and the fact that we're doing this and everything. It was really fun to like listen to your podcast after I, you know, it was just like a fun meeting. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. For for listeners, we met at a party that was hosted by the legendary Softy at the, at, what, what's it called? Remember. I don't remember. The something saloon. Anyway, it's a nice like LGBT plus friendly saloon in Williamsburg, I think. But it was a really nice place. I liked it. The food was bomb. Yeah, I didn't have the food, but it was a really fun little downstairs hang. Yes, it was. And I guess like, yeah, when I listened to the album you sent to me, I was just like, because I having already talked to you and then just like hearing this otherworldly voice, just like, just like it was like a shell shock to my ears in the best way possible. I was just like, what? What is this? this is amazing oh thank you it's so a much. whole other world <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome I love that you know what it you know what it reminded me of do you know Laura Nero oh god yes that's amazing I truly appreciate you're not the first person to say that on the new record that I'm giving Laura Nero vibes and I really it's a huge compliment so thank you of course yeah it's like yeah, I love how she's like had like a renaissance, like since she, it's kind of like Nick Drake almost, like no one cared when he made the records. And then like after he died, like he everyone just loved them. So like it's funny how things like circle back around like that. Yeah. And actually, it's also interesting. I didn't know this until recently because I'm going to forget which album title this is. So LaBelle, which is Patti LaBelle, like of Patti LaBelle and the Bluebells from the 50s, like the doo-wop girl group, they became LaBelle, which was like still the same people, but they rebranded essentially as like a funk group. And they sing the backup on Laura Nero's whichever album, I guess on Eli and the 13th, I'm gonna. Have, I would have to listen to it. I don't know if it's gonna take a miracle or Eli and the Thirteenth Confessional. Wow! But yeah, it's really amazing, and they are also super iconic. And ended up like they performed at Carnegie Hall, like dressed in spacesuits and like this crazy reinvention story that they have. So, anyway, music is amazing. <laughs> music is amazing. I love music. <laughs> Good stuff. So, like, I guess as like an introduction to your action to your uh, oeuvre. Yeah. What is like your musical history? Okay. Well, we'll start with the past ten years. So, I'm from Chicago, and I used to have a band called Oshwa O S H W A in Chicago, and that was like it was a band with like my three closest friends. We sounded sort of in more in the vein of like dirty projectors i think it was a little bit more frenetic like interlocking guitar parts that sort of sound i released two albums as oshwa and then the band ended as bands tend to do and i moved to new york so when i moved here that was sort of that was in 2016 and that was really synonymous with like my journey into how am i going to make music as alicia walter so I made my first record, which came out in 2021 on Super Records, 
in that album is much more it's really me just scratching every itch like I was just wanting to try out every type of because I wanted to see how much I could produce and do on my own and I wasn't used to working that way you know I'd really worked with my band it was really like we would figure out the song live and then you know make an album that way so this was more me working from the box out on my first record which just meant that I was really interested in trying you know string arrangements horn arrangements like all all of the things and I came out of that album with a record that I absolutely love in which I was also had no idea how to really do live in a way that felt gratifying just because it was every song is very different so then going into this most recent record that's coming out in 2023 I wanted to have an album that I could sit down and play at a piano for people that sounded essentially the exact same you know like these are the songs me at a piano whether or not it's with a band or me solo I just wanted the songs to stand on their own and I wanted to have an album that was based on the live performance that really was centered on just people playing music you know what a novel idea so that's what I did then like this record which I'm sure we'll talk more about but this record was recorded live with a band and now I have an album that is exactly that like I can sit down and play these songs at a piano with or without a band and the songs sound the same that's awesome yeah and did you record this latest album here in New York or did you travel to a studio elsewhere? Yeah, I did travel. So this was right when my first record was coming out. I Am Alicia is that album. When that album came out in fall of 21, I had a really synchronous via Instagram discovery of a musician named Jeremiah Lloyd Harmon. And we, to this day, like, we don't know how this happened, but it was like, we just both sort of became aware of each other. And he had actually messaged me when my album came out, just like some really, it was like, he was really personally touched by my album. And I, and he sent me a note about it. And I was really like, who is this person? Like, it was so touching to receive and then I listened to his music and was like destroyed for like a week I was just like weeping and was it was such I'd never had anything like that happen where like it felt like we just were finding each other at a really interesting point in both of our lives like we just both really resonated with each other and I through him learned where he recorded his albums had been produced with the same producer Chris Schlarb who has a studio called Big Ego in Long Beach, California. Chris Schlarb has a music project called Psychic Temple that was on Asthmatic Kitty, Joyful Noise for a while, has been sort of like this amorphous project that embodies whoever's recording with him at the time. He also runs this amazing studio called Big Ego. And what was so cool about this process, and this is like exactly what I was looking for and why I wanted to go work with Chris, he has really cultivated a wrecking crew of musicians like the same little community of musicians that record a ton of albums with him live so for me coming in which is what i really wanted to do i wanted to record the album live which meant that i had never done that like i had never recorded piano and voice and the band all at the same time and it was totally terrifying to me to do that but like the idea especially I think of doing the vocal live with piano was really scary 
but I wanted to challenge myself to do that. So when I was sending Chris demos, which were just piano and voice, he essentially split songs into two different bands over two different days, not based on like arrangements necessarily or not specific parts, but more, I think these songs are going to go with these people and like, let's see how this works in the studio. So it was really crazy for me because I was coming in and we had no rehearsals. So it was like, we walked in, I met everyone and within a half an hour, we cut the title track, Right Noise is the name of the album and the first song on the album. And we that was the first song we tracked. And, you know, we literally played it through like one time and then hit record like the second time. So each song, the most amount of times we played each song was maybe like, I think four or five was like the max. And then we were just picking the best take for what's on the record, which was like, I mean, people have made records that way, obviously, but I hadn't worked in that way, especially not in a way where it was like, I hadn't heard the songs, you know, like we were literally figuring out the arrangements and then being like, okay, that's it. Hit record. And like, you know, I'm hearing it come to life in the moment, essentially, as it's being recorded, which was totally trippy, just like a very different experience for me. Wow, that's a that's incredible. And so were all the, of these bandmates like people who Chris just knew and just called up? Yeah, there's like he's really built this community that essentially there are other artists coming in and making records in the same way to to varying degrees, you know, but he's got yeah, this little crew that is essentially the same people playing on a bunch of different albums. So I think there's a real natural chemistry between a lot of the players and between them and Chris. Like there's sort of like already this built in comfort and understanding of how people work together, which was incredible to be able to walk into. And needless to say, they're obviously phenomenal players. Like I was really lucky to play with a bunch of really great musicians just who are able to read each other and and serve the song and make decisions really quickly. And it was really fun to get to be in the role of the artist coming in and see what people are bringing to the table, you know, because definitely some of the songs, the way that they came out, even though I knew what I was going to play on piano, I hadn't heard them that way at all, you know? So it was, it was very eye-opening to me to get to do it that way. That's awesome. So they were all just recorded live, basically. Yeah, all yeah. live. We did like minimal overdubs, like very little. And we did, so it was like the first two days were the live band. And that's like me at the piano with the band. The first day was maybe, I think the band is, we had percussion and drums, B3 organ, bass, electric and upright, and then electric guitar. And then the second day was a smaller band. It was just bass, drums, guitar piano me on piano and then the third day we had singers come in and do background vocals so that was like I also sang with two singers and we over like you know we overdubbed that but it was really very live (laughs) which is so crazy like and now we have like two of we filmed it too and so two of the videos for two of the singles are just the actual recording session And it's kind of amazing because there was so much happening in that moment. And there was like so much to think about that I couldn't think about the cameras being in the room at all. Like it was not even on my mind, the fact that we were filming it. 
Wow. It's kind of, it was, I mean, I just didn't have the capacity to think about that. And I didn't have the capacity to perform for a camera while we were trying to do all this stuff, which is really amazing because now I think the videos themselves capture the recording process in a way that is really intimate and not performative. It's really just like watching musicians at work and doing the thing. It feels really special to me. I'm really glad we filmed it. Yeah, that's going to be exciting to watch for sure. It's cool. This is just a random, like out of curiosity, since you're from Chicago, like a Chicago legend, do you know about Steve Albini's work? Oh, yeah, of course. I've never worked with Steve and I've never recorded at Electrical Audio, but I hope to one day. And I know a ton of people who have. And he's I mean, like that studio, people are in there all the time. So, yeah, definitely a legend. Absolutely. And very like really sticks to his guns as far as like business ethics and just like. But yeah, Yeah. real stand up guy. Like I remember like when I when he pulled all of shellac and big blacks like discography from spotify i was like devastated but i was like oh he like he's right though spotify fucking sucks yeah 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 i did make the jump though i jumped to title and i will say that it's just as great over there too and you're paying the musicians get paid four times as much like the the payout is four times as much to you know, the artist and the label on title than it is on Spotify. That's really what made me do it finally. I was just like, this is so crazy. I mean, it's no one's getting paid enough, but yeah, Spotify needs to be checked. Yeah, that's a good call. Good for you for jumping to title. I think I might, is how much is the subscription? Is it around like more the same? Yeah, it's like whatever yeah. are you it's like $12.99 and the quality is higher too. Also, it's kind of cool that they share on title. There's like you, you see the artist's name and then every role that they've had so like composer producer vocalist whatever they are and there's way more credits it's just cool to see the credits which is something that I didn't you don't realize that you're not seeing it until you're like looking at it and you're like why isn't this this should just always be information that people can see you know right yeah absolutely yeah yeah I was talking to Softy the other week and mm. she was saying, well, I don't understand why Spotify doesn't put credits under like the discussion. And I was like, well, like Spotify isn't necessarily the biggest purveyor of ethical practices. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that might be why. Yeah. <laughs> might be why. Yeah. yeah. But also like two things that I gleaned from like reading your artist bio is that like you've been constantly on the move. This is me quoting. And also like you're driven by a restless passion for creation. I was wondering if you'd like to tell me a little bit more about these two like factors. Why don't we start with the life on the move part? Life on the move. You know, I don't know if I've, I mean, I'm from Chicago. I moved to New York in 2016. I've been in New York since then. I did go to California to make this record. I think, I mean, I've definitely done my fair share of touring and all levels of touring and really like, you know, driving around the country for 45 days or something. But I I wouldn't say I've, I'm not like constantly moving. I do think I follow creativity wherever it's taking me. So like, Actually, it was kind of interesting that I was really starting to have this like California pull before I even knew about Jeremiah or Chris or Big Ego 
earlier in the year in 2021 I had started to feel this like California like what's going on in California I'd never really spent much time in LA and I ended up finding an artist residency in Temecula just south of LA and that's where I spent like five weeks before I went to go into the studio I was just in this little cabin that I had to myself with a grand piano and it was absolutely amazing it was like heaven you know like just living in the rolling green hills of southern california and getting to play piano but it was really amazing how it worked out because i kind of i didn't really plan for it to be like oh i'm gonna go into this artist residency and then i'm gonna go into the studio it just like happened that i could i could record four days after the residency ended and i will say i do love you know like i love getting to travel i love following whatever the thing is that you're trying to make. And I really felt like that was something I was being pulled to make it in California. And it was cool to hang out in LA. I had never spent that much time. And I feel like I really got to see like, I was like, oh, LA is really cool. Like this is a, a cool place to hang. And it's fun to get to experience. It's such a different vibe in California. It's just a really nice other side of the coin to New York, you know, so. Mm. Yeah. In what ways, like, what would you say, like, really appealed to you about the the differences there? I think it's like, it's a really, <laughs> this is, like, I don't mean to boil it down to this. And I'm sure if you live in LA, you, you will refute this. But, like, being in sunshine makes such a big difference. Like, living in just, like, a sunny place and where it's really inviting to be outside all the time just makes life, like, a lot easier in some ways you know and there is there I mean New York is of all the places in the U.S. New York is just such a frenetic like high tension you know it's like really exciting but then it can also be really anxiety inducing and you know everything's really difficult here like everything is hard you know and it was kind of fun to get to be in a place where it was like you get the perks of feeling like you're in a global city still. Like there's, you know, still all of the draw and people from all over. And also it's like not as packed into, you know, 10 miles. So it's kind of, I don't know. I just liked the pace and I liked, I not that I'm like supporting car culture but I honestly did enjoy the fact that there's like when you when you're hanging out with people and this is maybe just specific to like what the group of people I was hanging out with but there becomes this like carpooling like you're carpooling to shows and like driving on the same car together which is not how my experience of New York is always like you're meeting up places Everybody like takes the train to different places when you're leaving. There was sort of this like intimacy that comes with driving two places together, sharing car time. Just very, it reminded me of like literally carpooling to like high school. So I think I just, I just had a good experience. I met the right people, you know. Yeah, definitely. And also like what you said about the weather too. Like I feel like whoever coined seasonal affective disorder to spell sad as an acronym, I think they knew exactly what they were doing. I know. And it, we've been pretty lucky this year. It's not been too bad, but still it's just gray. You know, it's just like you're, yeah. it, is, it just is a totally different feeling. So yeah, for sure. And and what about uh, the, quote, restless passion for creation? I love that. I don't know where you're getting that from, but I love wherever. Oh, your Spotify bio. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. 
Heck yeah. Heck yeah. I'll take it. I mean, I think I have, I definitely am very driven to create. And even though I think, you know, how everything is, you, you don't always recognize that you're doing that much or it doesn't feel to me that way because I don't necessarily it's not like I'm constantly writing songs every day or something but I I do really move from project to project I always have something that I'm working on and I think a lot has kind of it took a while even though I was working on other things the point from moving to New York to when my first album came out there was enough time in there that I was doing a lot, whether or not it, it, it was coming out at the time or it started coming out with my album. So it's felt like recently there's been a lot of stuff that I'm 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 putting out a lot of music and I'm putting out just releasing consistently, which is really a great feeling. And it's nice to be it's nice to be in that part of the process, because for so long you're in the other part of it where you're like, I can't wait for this to be out. And then now it feels amazing to be rolling out a second album after you know it's it's only about a year and a half since my first one so it's it's not it just feels really nice <laughs> yeah I bet and also do you feel like you're someone who just feels like they they need to create just out of necessity definitely 100% I don't think I I mean I can't that's kind of the amazing part of any artist's life and anyone who's creating work I mean you know it's not always most of the time it's like you're not necessarily having it's difficult right it's hard it's a hard thing to do and I've been at many points where I've kind of hit walls and there's some miraculous part of me that comes back to like no, I'm still doing it. Like it's not it's not really a choice. It's definitely now I really see me writing music as the way that I it, internalize and process my own emotions and experiences. A lot of the time I feel like I'm writing songs that I don't even have conscious awareness around what it is like why I need to say the thing. It's like I'm trying to get in touch with my feelings. I'm trying to like understand something. And the song is almost like the way that I do that. You know, it becomes like the medium for like, oh, this is what is going on. And it's the it's the way that you externalize that experience and how you connect with other people, right? It's like I'm experiencing this. Like, do you experience this too? This is like how what people are able to relate to in the music, you know? Like they see themselves in the experience too. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Like also like, and it can be like amazing how like, I guess you can hear like a turn of phrase and sometimes you'll hear like a something and it'll just like really hit home. Like what just happened? Like, yeah. <laughs> and like, for instance, like, oh, my God, I'm going to sound like such a uh, I'm going to sound like a little meme <laughs> loser for saying this. But American football, like ha like since they reunited, uh -huh. they've continuously made great music like they haven't sacrificed any artistic integrity. And they have one song called Uncomfortably Numb. I think one of the lyrics goes like, how will I survive without consequence and or something like that? and that's just like oh wow for sure yeah actually on the american football tip i'm gonna plug nate kinsella 
So Nate is one of the Kinsella bros. Yeah. And he's here in Brooklyn and he's still, he plays bass in American football. I think he plays bass. Yeah. But he has a project called Birthmark. Incredible music. Nate's like a brilliant musician, songwriter. And I'm always so in love with his music. He played a show in Chicago. This is also just like, Chicago is such an amazing, just a lot of great music comes out of Chicago and exists in like the DIY scene in Chicago. And there's a show that I talk about this show all the time. There was a space called Swerp Mansion, which was Namdi's house. If you know Namdi, Namdi's so super records who released my album. That's Namdi's label. I've known Namdi since I was like 15. And he used to live in this space called Swerp Mansion. And Nate Kinsella, birthmark, came through and played a show. I must have been 23 or something. And I just remember Nate brought literally a vibraphone and a marimba. He had two, he had both. He had at least two string players. He was on drum kit in the middle of like this arc of people, bass, guitar. He had like seven people with him playing in this DIY space. Like it was like the show that you would see. It was a, it was a show that would be at a massive arena or something, you know, but it was happening in this like DIY space for, I don't know if there were a hundred people there, you know, and that show like literally changed my life. Like I was like, I didn't know that people could do that. Like you could do this sort of thing. I think it was crazy what he was doing, but it's it's amazing how those experiences really impact and shape artists and everyone. You know, it's like those experiences. I, I feel lucky that I, I had a lot of really great experiences coming up in the DIY scene in Chicago. Were you like starstruck at all the first encounter? Like, oh my God. I can remember like meeting Mike Kinsella for the first time and being like, oh, that is really crazy. Just because, I mean, American football, especially in Chicago, is, like, so huge, you know? And, like, they were in Champaign-Urbana, down where U of I is, and, you know, like, everyone went to U of I. So there's just, like, everyone is kind of aware of of them. So there's probably some level of being starstruck or something, you know? Yeah, I definitely with Nate, I think it was amazing to get to know Nate. And then, like, I've sung on some birthmark recordings, and, and getting to, like, work with him is really been super fun and i'm just always like wanting more birthmark music so i plug him every time i can (laughs) we yeah i yeah i'm just obsessed with like you know with the when you get older and then you like rehash like older memories and then like you start to go for and you start to like read more and start to go further back into like how far those tentacles of whatever those references were spread like yeah totally as a music person yeah definitely and that's something that I feel like that's always I love getting older and listening to music and realizing like the more you listen to music, the more you hear where something comes from and being like, oh, this is just, a, you know, this stems from whatever this recording in the 1960s or something. You know what I mean? Like there's just yeah. a natural sort of realizing where everything comes from. 
which is really comforting in a way. Like music is always feeding itself and people are always taking things and combining them. Definitely. And that I think the big thing of where my fascination with emo comes in, because I also love just repping for stuff that gets maligned. There's this newer band, Sweet Pill. They're out of Philly and their front person, Zayna. She's like a repping for Iranian women, fronting an emo band. Incredible. Love yeah. it. But I remember like telling my friend about this band and saying, well, they were a newer emo band and that immediately like turned him off. And he's been a touring musician for over 10 years, which is like being a hundred in when it comes to working in music. Yeah, so like yeah. I can understand his curmudgeon attitude, but something he said was to the effect of like, okay, this is my problem with Philly. Like they haven't moved on from the emo and and I remember being like, whoa, 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 whoa. You haven't even heard the band yet. Really? Yeah. And also, like, I just find it so hilarious that every band that's been tagged with the emo label has rejected it outright. And like, I'm just like, okay, now you realize everybody does that, right? That only makes you more emo. (laughs) (laughs) Totally, totally. Uh, I mean, my band, we immediately got slapped with the math rock tag. And that was something that we like, were so against, you know, the whole time. But like looking back on it, it's like, yeah, there was, I understand why we were being labeled that way. It's like, of course, you know, we had like all these crazy guitar parts and it w- it wasn't in 4-4, you know, so people are like, oh, it's yeah. math. <laughs> yeah, it's easy to just like to go to whatever like reference, you know, like and tag yeah. the label onto whatever. Yeah. But also... Yeah, I'm really loving so much of like the music that's been coming out of Philadelphia. Philly is such a sister. I always feel like it's a sister city to Chicago. I think it's just like a real uh, working class city. Like there's and there's a lot of musicians who are really talented, like just like the normal musicians in those cities. Like there's just a high caliber of player, I feel like. And really creative people, just like really creative players. Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I feel like that's where like the art is pure when people are just making it out of necessity with no concern for like, how it's going to be received, like they're not even thinking about that. And also, I guess like this, your first album sort of followed you on an odyssey of like self discovery and liberation. And I'm wondering how you feel like in the context in which this new album was created sort of evolves from that. Yeah, great question. That first album, I'm Alicia, really is like I wrote it sequentially. So each song, it was I was writing one after the other, and that's the order of the track list. I've never done that on another album. But that one had to exist that way because it's really a journey of me discovering who I am. And like the songs lyrically, that's what's happening. I'm really like taking myself through this journey of self-acceptance that I wasn't like I was on the journey. Like, you know, I was on the ride. So by the time that album ends, it ends with a song called I Am and that song I wrote at the piano and it is on the album is there's a few other at the piano too but that one felt the most like this is me like this is really me this is what I sound like at least right now you know but it felt like to me when I was finishing the album on that song that that was the direction for whatever was going to happen after that and that is still I, I mean that's kind of what happened like I think this album the newest one right noise is 
a natural progression musically into like me really sitting down at the piano and feeling like th these songs are the most fleshed out I think I've felt that I've written on as far as like the piano parts and the way I'm playing it at the piano it feels more mature more developed musically in, in instrumentally I think and it it I came out of that album really wanting to play with other people and have the have the songs be about you know I, I that first solo album it's like I missed having a band and now what's a really amazing and this process has been really interesting for me at least right now where I'm at is I'm coming out of with this record where I have the songs and I have the charts and essentially like if you play guitar or if you play bass or drums you know, I can show you the album, which is a live recording and anyone can learn, you know, if you're a good player, you can learn the parts. So I've been putting together bands, different bands in different cities. So like I played shows in LA with an LA band in Chicago with a Chicago band, New York, New York band. I'm about to go do the same thing in Austin for South by. So that's totally unique to me where I, I'm like, I've never had that experience of being like, oh, wow, I can put together bands in different cities. And so far, like the way I've done that in L.A. and Chicago was like we had one rehearsal and then did the show, you know. So it's really liberating. And what's what I love about that is like you get to invite people in. It's not so much about playing. Obviously, the song is written and we're not like reinventing the wheel when we play it live. But there is room for each player to bring to the music what they want to bring, which is really what I want. Like I want to be able to play with people who take the song in new directions live, who want to play different parts or, you know, whatever it is. It's also just really liberating for me in that I think I Am Alicia, the album, I was so wanting to be in control of the sounds and the parts. And like, I was really coming up. I also just wanted to test whether or not I could do it. So I was really very uh, particular and I really wanted it to be a certain way. And now... I really like I it's not like I don't care I definitely care it's more just that there's like a lot of freedom for opening it up to what other people are bringing in and that's a really beautiful collaboration like it feels really I actually think it takes it, it's almost like opposite like it takes a lot of what is the word I don't know it takes you have to get to a certain point to be able to be confident in yourself I think to be able to open up the doors that way like it took, it, it's almost the opposite from what you think it would be or something. It's almost kind of like, you know, when you, if you're very like young and insecure, then when someone asks you, do you know about this thing? You might say, oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. I know about this exactly. thing. Yes. And then yeah. as you get older, you become more secure enough in yourself and your own knowledge to be like, no, I don't know that. What is 100%, that? 100%. Yeah. And yeah. that's like, to go back to the original question, I think that was also, I came out of, I'm Alicia. I had scratched all these itches. I was like, I'm producing, I'm doing so much. I'm doing as much of the music as I can. And I came away from that being like, I really just care about being the songwriter. Like I want to write the songs and I want to sing and I want to play piano. And that's enough. Like, I don't need to wear the producer hat too. I don't need to write the bass part. I don't play the bass, you know, like it's sort of like wanting other people to do what they do best. Like, let them do that. Let them bring it to you and bring it to the music. The music is better for it, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. 
And that's a very, to tie it back, Albini-esque mentality as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it becomes like about serving the music. It's not about anybody's ego. It's just about what's the best way to create this thing. Yeah. And it's not like, like, like you said, how you don't like how you feel like you don't need to go into the whole producer mentality, which is almost like, I feel like I get frustrated with a lot of producers because it's just like, oh my God, the ego on this guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they're like, We're, yes. I'm like a spiritual advisor and I'm also going to be in a mansion while the artist goes broke, even though I just made one little modification and was like, oh, I think we should do another take. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And honestly, that's what's so funny. When I saw that Chris's studio was called Big Ego, I was like, oh, this is the place. Like, I know that this is going to be the one, you know, and and yeah, it's like the complete opposite of big ego. It's like that is not the energy at all. And it is rare, I think. I mean, it's such an interesting relationship. I think the producer artist relationship is always a very delicate and exciting one. And I, I'm lucky to have met someone on this album that I think it was just the right person at the right time that was bringing everything I could have wanted for this, like the way that it was the arrangement of bringing in the players in that way, that was such a cool thing to me. I don't think it's very typical also that, like we recorded live in a room with no headphones. You know, like I had just watched the Beatles documentary and in the in the documentary, you're seeing them record in like their Apple studio with like their vocals being pumped in over a PA. And watching that, I was like, God, that is so crazy. Like, no one does that. And then I literally went and did that like two weeks later. That's what we did, where it was like I was just listening to my voice over speakers in the room that were recording the band. You know, it was like so cool, so old school. Yeah, just a really great space, great people, great producer, good vibes. Honestly, I at the end of that week, I told Chris, I was like, this is one of the happiest weeks of my life. Like, it's so infrequent that you get to spend that much time like all of the hard work has been done you know like you've already written the songs you've practiced you know that you know them and then to get to the point where you just get to watch it come to life and like be a part of that process and feel like you're surrounded by people who genuinely support the music and you in a way that's like everyone wants it to do well and be the best it can be very special like very special to get to work in an environment that is like not about ego and and is about serving the art you know good stuff yeah very transcendental music's pretty cool <laughs> yes absolutely <laughs> music rules also like side note like i love that you name dropped a namdi earlier because namdi rules yeah absolutely oh my god i also like one of my first shows i ever played was in namdi's house in the suburbs when I was like 19 Mm. and he had like yeah he had amazing house shows way back then I mean it was always like he was always a fixture of the Chicago music scene and was in a million projects from age 14 he was already playing in like 10 bands you know wow yeah like yeah Tim Kinsella was like doing cap and jazz stuff when he was like 12 right god was he that young I think he was 12 (laughs) Yeah, it's funny how that stuff. Yeah, just it's it's actually it's really cool. I I played with Namdi on this his album that just came out this year. What year is it? No, twenty twenty two. It came out in twenty twenty two. 
we played at Babies All Right. And I was thinking about it like at that show being like, dude, I have watched Namdi play since we were 15, you know, and like the whole journey that either one of us has been on and like just getting to see someone that you've known for that long and you've watched really grow like he's really grown into himself and has just like surpassed I think you know like whatever you think someone's gonna do or whatever like he's just really it's amazing to get to watch and he's such an incredible performer and musician it's just really inspiring to watch your friends shine you know that's something I've found as I've like gotten more immersed in like the local like sphere of whatever town I'm in. Um, and they're the types of moments that like while you're in them, you're already nostalgic for them because they're yeah. such like wonderful community oriented, like, yeah, amazing, great, good times. Yeah, absolutely. And also another thing that I read from what was written about you, that when you moved to New York, like the time that you spent with yourself, like was the most like, I guess, informative. How would you say that that's affected you as a creative? Because I feel like that's a very universal experience of when people first move to New York and you're all of a sudden like, what do I do with all this time by myself? Mm, yeah yeah you know it's funny I think I don't necessarily now that I've lived here and it's I I think it's maybe I knew this in some ways but it's so true that people move to New York to find themselves and people move here dri like people who want to evolve and change and of course this happens everywhere but I think people really come to New York kind of seeking that experience and I felt like I came here and spent the first couple years really just like trying on so many different hats. I think New York is such an amazing space for it's like there's like such a beautiful anonymity, you know, where you can enter into a space in New York and like you'll never see any of these people again. And you can go dancing all night long at whatever place you've never been to before. And you can go back or you can never go back. You know, like there's just sort of this like constant reinvention that you can experience if you want that because it's such a big city. I did a lot of that, I think, like meeting new people, hanging out in different spaces, definitely like experiencing nightlife and going out dancing in ways that I hadn't before in Chicago. I think all of these environments that really allowed me to experience different parts of myself lead you to just have a better understanding of who you are and when I was working on I'm Alicia I actually I sublet my room in in Ridgewood I was living in Ridgewood at the time and I went upstate and I had a friend who has just like a very small shed studio in Socrates and I was working out of that studio for a while I was driving up every weekend and then I started when I sublet my room I stayed up there for like two and a half months and it was just like me in the woods you know really I think there's something about not having a band too and like wanting to try everything yourself it was like really terrifying I really didn't know if I could produce music that way I didn't know if I could do it like if I'm starting with zero can I make a song with you know the recording can I do it so there's sort of two different things happening like there's the musical exploration literally like the production elements and all of that stuff and then there's like this whole experience of finding yourself as an individual as a human being and I think it's interesting that New York is a really great place to do that 
you know it's funny that it's the biggest city and it's something i've heard said about new york is like uh, the best and worst things about new york city like the best thing about new york city is that nobody cares the worst thing is that nobody cares you know so it's like it's the highs and lows of that feeling where you can constantly sort of like you can walk down the street in New York doing absolutely anything. No one will bat an eye, you know, and and then that can be like the worst feeling, too, where you're like, oh, my God, what does it take? And it's so hard to impress people, you know, no one's impressed. But it's a really it's such a fun place to get to try out different identities and change your hair and dress different ways, you know, and nobody cares. It's like that's what's so freeing about it. Like even Chicago it's a big city, but it's still a small Midwestern city and like everyone knows each other and it's amazing. And I love the community there. And I think it's just, if you're seeking an experience where you can try out different identities and, and not really be judged or even perceived by people who know you, sometimes you just need to have that experience, you know, good place to do it here. I mean, it, it's amazing to play shows here, too. But I do think that, like, New York audiences in general, like, very stoic. Or at least can be yeah. more stoic than uh, other places, you know. For sure. I saw, like, an interview with Molly from Always. And she was talking about how those people who just, like, are really... Those audience members who are really stoic, they call them chip eaters. Because it's just, like... Dude, yeah, it's crazy. Nothing. You're like, <laughs> yeah. you're like doing everything you can, and they're like giving you nothing, you know. But it can happen anywhere. It, I mean, it, yeah. Also, I think that energy can be really good for an artist. I think it can be really. You have to work with that. You have to learn how to be on stage when it doesn't necessarily feel like you're getting back the sort of energy that you want or whatever. It's a great skill to have to learn. And I think it's very real that no matter what, no matter what kind of artist you are, who you are, you're going to play shows where people don't care. You're going to, you know, you're going to play shows where there's nobody there and you're not going to want to be on stage or whatever it is. And you've got to learn how to do it anyway, you know? Yeah, absolutely. That's really great advice as well. And what else would you like to plug before we wrap up? Where can people find you online? What do you have coming up, et cetera? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I totally forgot. This is uh, coming out when the album comes out. So, Great. so <laughs> now you can listen to my album. It's out on all of the streaming platforms, wherever you listen. Look up all the videos that are also now out. And hopefully I've got some shows lined up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have those booked right now, but by the time you're listening to this, I'm sure there's something on the books. So yeah, check out my website, Alicia Walter. You Google me, you'll find me. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, my gosh. Thank you, Izzy. This was so fun. Thank you so much for listening to Sounding Out with Izzy. And thank you to Alicia Walter for joining me today. Right Noise will be out on all DSPs on Friday, June 23rd. Remember to subscribe and sign up for the mailing list on my YouTube channel and written blog, both under the name A Girl's Two Sound Sense. Give the podcast a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you so much for listening, and I will catch you in the next episode of Sounding Out with Izzy. (laughs) 